This is Fantasy Football Picks and Bets presented by Prize Picks on the Mayo Media Network. Smash the likes up to the channel. Well, you're here. You want to jump to a certain spot in the show? It's easy. Just hit the time codes. We're starting with the quick prize picks, then the waiver wire and injuries, snap counts, and the Monday Night Football preview at the very end for whatever it is that you like. Reminder to go to prizepicks.com, use promo code MMN, and get a match deposit of up to $100. The link is in the description. Here are the quick prize picks for the week. Struggled with the main play on Sunday for me, but I just used the Run the Sims 2 optimal plays and all of a sudden get my money back. So here's what I'm going with this week. Cortland Sutton over or more than 60.5 yards. Geno Smith more than 9.5 rushing yards. Don't have the utmost confidence in uh, this game in general this week. I think the only thing I really like is what Rob Pozzola had mentioned to me on the Best Bet show last Thursday was the first half spread for the Seattle Seahawks. That in a lot of these big primetime spots, the underdog team at home tends to play the first half very well. Then all of a sudden, it's not so hot anymore. So 50 to pay 150. We'll be in on that. I do want to sneak over to runthesims.com to see what their two best plays are. Runthesims.com slash mayo will get you 10% off. I suggest the weekly to see if this is something that you like. They have the prop tool, obviously the huge DFS simulator, optimizer, custom projections, everything like that. Rashad Penny under... 16 rushing, 16 and a half rushing attempts comes out at 77%. Melvin Gordon under 10 rushing attempts, 71.8%. You see, I hate both those, but that's what the simulations are telling me. So well, let's go play it. Play that one, see if I can at least uh, get some of my money back here. If we end up losing the other one, so we'll go Penny, Gordon, less than 16 and a half. Melvin Gordon, less than 16 and a half. Be in for 50 bucks on that one as well. Let's see, you can go 50-50 if you want, if you use that... Code Mayo, or sorry, code MMN, apologies on that, at prizepicks.com, and that's how we'll end up doing it. So, let's jump into the waiver wire. For the week, uh, I think injuries are the first thing we should start off with, because there were some pretty significant ones in spots that will affect the waiver wire. Now, I have everything listed up in the Mayo Media newsletter right now, so if you sub to that, it's down in the description. You can go do that for free right now. It gets sent out Sunday evenings, Tuesday evenings, and Saturday afternoons with all updates throughout the week, so you don't have to go scouring the internet to find anything. The injuries that we're seeing, Ken Walker with his hernia is unlikely to play on Monday Night Football, so a lot of Rashad Penny. That's why the under of those rushing attempts kind of worries me a little bit, but I'll trust the Sims, because the Sims have Walker as out, so you you got your DJ Dallas, you got your Travis Homer, Geno Smith with a few carries, we'll see. J.K. Dobbins missed week one, he could be back week two. When we get to the snap counts, uh, you'll see Kenyon Drake uh, played more than Mike Davis, although they didn't really do anything. Elijah Mitchell left the game with a knee injury, no word yet on how long he's out, but I'm guessing it's going to be a bit. We'll see at the very top of the waiver wire rankings what happens with his backups. Damian Williams has a ribs injury. I believe it was Avery Williams ended up coming into the game, but Tyler Algier was inactive for the Falcons. It just led to a lot of Cordero Patterson, who looked fantastic. So, boots up on CPAT. But Damian Williams was playing a ton at the beginning of the game over Cordero Patterson. So that's something to monitor when Damian ends up coming back, unless Cordero Patterson seizes this job. Najee Harris has a high ankle sprain. He's likely out two to three weeks. I want to hear more about this, and this will severely affect the waiver wire solely because, I mean, when he was out of the game, all we got was just a bunch of Jalen Warren. We saw Chase Claypool end up with a few carries as well, but two to three weeks, Warren could be like a top 24 back for you. So when you could play 
kind of, every single week. Because here's the issue when it comes down to it as it pertains to the waiver wire. Jalen Warren comes in at number one. It's Jalen Warren, Jeff Wilson, Rex Burkhead, Jamal Williams, Khalil Herbert, Zach Moss. Those are the top six at the waiver wire, at the waiver wire running back spot right now that you can go pick up. You don't have to go pick up those guys. I'd say the priority ones would be Jalen Warren and Jeff Wilson. And then we get to the snaps in a second. You're going to see Rex Burkhead played more than Damian Pierce, which is not great for everyone who splurged at the end of draft season on Damian Pierce. So you have to look at this one of two ways. Who's going to have this job longer? This is why we need to have more context to the injuries of both Elijah Mitchell and Najee Harris. If Harris is out three weeks, Jalen Warren's number one pickup because I don't think that Elijah Mitchell is going to be out that long. Now, if it turns out he has a blown out ACL, Jeff Wilson is most definitely who you want. Tyrion Davis Price ends up on your radar as well in deeper formats uh, because he'll have that backup job or even potentially have the chance to win that job over Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson isn't a world beater by any means. They get Seattle next week. We'll see how their defense looks on Monday night, but I'm guessing it's not fantastic by any means. So he seems, again, like both those guys will be at least running back twos heading into next week. I'll talk about it more on Tuesday's PME with Jake Seeley, but those could be... It's funny because... When you think about how much to spend on a running back, this is probably not the time of year to go do that because there's no bye weeks. Theoretically, you should probably have three, four viable running backs on your team. But if you are in a pinch, I put a priority on these guys. I wouldn't blow my budget because unless you find out that Elijah Mitchell's out for the year, which does not seem to be the case whatsoever, uh, then you can go splurge on Jeff Wilson. But even then, he could still lose his job. So they're like mod, they're, they're temperate pickups. You need a flex this week. You play in a deeper league. They're available. They're the guys to go get. The other ones on the list, be it Burkhead. Burkhead seems like he could be like a low-end PPR flex every single week. But Jamal Williams, Khalil Herbert, Zach Moss... Those three guys in particular, they're getting run anyway, so they're not absolute zeros on your team, but it does seem like they would vault up into the lead spot should anything happen. So those are always the decent bench stashes that I like to have, especially in 14-team, 16-team, even really deep bench 12-team leagues, that these are guys that you could potentially run out there week to week in a pinch should something happen with potential upside for more at the running pack position. I want to take a cue over to... See what we got on the go here. Here are our percentages for the snap shares for the week. See, Saquon played more than anyone else in football uh, at the running back position, at least on, or at least in week one. Then you had Daryl Henderson. We'll see how that split ends up going with Cam Akers. I mean, as someone who has a a lot of Cam Akers, it's not great news, uh, at least for me. Carolina Panthers' Christian McCaffrey is 82% of the snap share. Uh, he actually played only like 60-something percent in the first half. In the second half, he was basically on the field every single snap. Great to see uh, Christian McCaffrey is the best buy-low candidate in all of football right now. If someone took him first overall, second overall, and they're mad because he had a bad game, I do enjoy that his bad game is like 16 fantasy points. But again, that's his bad game. That's about as bad as he's probably going to play sans injury all season long but there are some interesting things to go look at here like you see the split Khalil Herbert actually had a ton of carries for when he was on the field plus he had that goal line touching he played like 30 percent of the snap share all right that's kind of interesting you see James Conner he was up around like 90 percent last year now they got into a big deficit so it's kind of clear to me that Eno Benjamin 35 percent of the snaps is going to be their receiving back he's going to be on the field a ton here is the most alarming thing though and maybe this changes throughout the course of the year Rex Burke had 72 percent of the snaps Damian Pierce, 28% of the snaps. The Texans were winning most of that game. You would think that would be the perfect spot for established Damian Pierce. Get him 20 carries. Let him move the chains for you. No, 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 no. We need Rex Burkhead out there the entire time. I assumed 
that the Colts would blow them out. Dead wrong on that front. But it would be a case where you would look at, hey, in catch-up mode, you're going to see a lot of Rex Burkhead on the field. That makes a lot of sense. He's a good blocker. He runs great routes. He's very quick, lateral movement. A nice quick out, better receiving back than Damian Pierce. And that's not like a negative on Damian Pierce, but Rex Burkhead is widely known as one of the best receiving backs in all of football. But... This game flow reeked of Damian Pierce, and we only got Rex Burkhead. That should be somewhat terrifying and temper expectations on Pierce. That doesn't mean by week four it's going to be all out the window and Pierce is going to have like 80% of the carries. But all of those high-end projections on Pierce, you know, maybe not the best. Maybe not great in that circumstance. So something to monitor going forward. You can see Damian Williams left after like, eight minutes in this game and still ended up with 14% of the snap share. So in deeper leagues, if he's not seriously hurt, I would actually recommend going to pick him up. Here's the one to really look at, though. Uh, if J.K. Dobbins continues to miss time, Kenyon Drake, 59% of the snaps. Mike Davis, 13 or 11%, sorry. <clears throat> uh, on Saturday show, I theorized that, you know, if they were up big, then you'd see more, more Mike Davis pounding the ball. Sunday morning when I did the live show, obviously I had to amend that once that the reporting came out that it was just going to be a lot of Kenyon Drake that kind of held true. He didn't really do much, mind you, but it's uh, it's a body to throw out there. Look, I would probably rather have Jeff Wilson in week two rather than Kenyon Drake. I'd rather have Jalen Warren in week two rather than Kenyon Drake. If that's the way that you want to kind of think about these low-end running back two flex plays that are on your team, Kenyon Drake will continue to be a thorn in the side of everyone. I don't love Dobbins coming off the injury. But it does seem like this is his backfield. We'll see what happens when Gus Edwards gets back, to be perfectly honest with you, because that's uh, a more telling sign with a lot of this stuff. I am going to click out of this, and the only snap shares that I didn't have on here, they're right here, Fournette 76%, White 27%, Zeke and Pollard both played over 50% of the snaps in Week 1. Wide receiver injuries, there were a few of them that uh, can go a long way to kind of impacting your team here. Keenan Allen left the game with a hamstring injury. T. Higgins did the same with a concussion. Wendale Robinson with a knee. Chris Godwin has a hamstring injury. He's expected to be out multiple weeks. I will update the time frames in the newsletter because uh, you can just go click on it as an article. I can update it after the fact if we learn more about the extent of these injuries. So I only can go off of uh, the notes that I have at the moment, and this is what I got. Rondell Moore, Alan Lazard, Valuz Jones, Michael Gallup, and Traquan Smith all missed week one with injuries. That leaves us back. Back to the waiver wire at wide receiver and number one on the list is not a name that I was going to be expecting but it's Jarvis Landry just soaking up targets in a catch-up situation mind you from Jameis Winston but I think that the Falcons may have showed and obviously it's week one stuff changes that maybe the Saints defense isn't a top three defense like a lot of people were anticipating maybe it's like a top 12 defense but does seem like you can move the ball on him a little bit if you can score some points. And that offensive line was not great. I mean, Jameis got sacked a bunch versus zero pass rush uh, that the Falcons actually possess. So Jarvis Landry, target magnet. Obviously, Michael Thomas is still the guy. That's why he ended up with the two touchdowns. But the move the chains, Jarvis is playing the role that he has always played great for P PPR formats. Uh, probably like a top 40-ish wide receiver. Someone you should have on your team. Wide receiver, one pickup. Then Jahan Dotson, Josh Palmer, Romeo Dubs. Robbie Anderson, Zay Jones, who actually was running the secondary amount of routes on the Jacksonville side here, and their defense is no good, so a lot of targets for him upcoming. Michael Gallup, Garrett Wilson, DJ Chark, Devin Duvernay. So Chark and Duvernay both had good games. Duvernay had two touchdowns. Uh, he didn't run a ton of routes, though, and he wasn't on the field a lot. It's like the O.J. Howard situation when we get to the Texans, where... 
Now we're in a spot where, I mean, is he going to catch touchdown every time he touches the ball? No, he's not. So it's more of an outlier game than anything. That doesn't mean he can't grow into that role. Like, for example, Isaiah likely actually did more in that game than DuVernay did. It's just DuVernay ended up with the two touchdowns. Isaiah likely had four targets and no catches. And I, I know we can only go off results. That's what actually scores us fantasy points. But we're trying to project into the future. DuVernay in a deeper league? Sure. But is someone like, oh, he had two touchdowns, let's play him? Absolutely not. Do not do that. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, Dotson, listen, he's not going to catch two touchdowns a week. Wentz is not going to throw four touchdowns a week. But it was encouraging to see him in the mix uh, a ton. And Logan Thomas will get himself healthier. Obviously, he was active. But it did seem like Wentz was willing to distribute that ball as openly as possible. The, the socialist offense of the Washington Commanders, where everyone gets their share of the pie. Uh, Dotson will be one of the hotter pickups this week. I think that he's fine. I wouldn't, like, make him a priority target. Uh, if anything, like, 12 team yeah, you can go pick him up, but I'm not blowing my budget on him. I would prefer to have Jervis Landry on my team, hence the rankings. Uh, Palmer with Keenan Allen out. It could be DeAndre Carter. Probably not. I think it was just a weird circumstance that Palmer didn't really get all that involved. Until Alan Lazard comes back, Romeo Dubs was the guy that, I mean, it's not that Aaron Rodgers did anything in that game. It's probably the worst we're going to see Aaron Rodgers play all season long. But he, he and Bob Tunyon ended up with the four targets in that game. Like Christian Watson lost all goodwill that he had dropping that deep pass really early on. So Aaron Rodgers wanted no part of that going forward. Back to the injuries next time at tight end. So we're going to have tight ends, QBs, and... Oh, so yeah, Dak, Dad Prescott. Eh, good, good spell check there, Pat. Uh, so Dak Prescott, uh, he's expected out at least a month, maybe more. Cooper Rush starting in his place, downgrade every single cowboy you got. Not great for my uh, CD Lamb shares. Not gonna lie to you. Unless Cooper Rush is just like, I'll just target CD Lamb twenty-five times a game. Then I suppose it could be pretty good. Mac Jones, uh, it was revealed post-game. X-rays came back negative. He's going to play in week two, but you know he's making excuses with a bad back already. Classic Patriots. Uh, at the waiver wire for both uh, at quarterback and tight end this week. The only tight end injury, realistically, was George Kittle had the groin injury. He missed week one. Donald Parham also missed week one for the Chargers. Uh, that's why you saw Gerald Everett getting a bit more run. But it didn't seem like Everett was pretty good in that spot. So the waiver wire pickups for tight ends, Hayden Hurst, Robert Tunyon, Gerald Everett, one, two, three. Then you have your crapshoot, Isaiah Likely, who I actually do still kind of like, uh, not to play next week, but if you wanted to stash a tight end who could have big potential later on in the season, that's where I would go to. And then you have Taysom Hill. Again, it's like the uh, and OJ Howard and Noah Fant are down there. We don't know about Noah Fant as of yet, but you know, with Howard and Taysom, like you need them to score a touchdown every week to have any sort of viability. And I have my doubts that they're going to score 16, 17 touchdowns this year. So they're probably going to score you zero more often than they actually contribute to your fantasy team. Like in a one-off, in a pinch spot, at least you know they have the touchdown upside. So in the face of any other option where you're looking at like, oh, this guy's floor is two points. It's like, well, give me the guy who might score zero, but he might score 10. Like, yeah, I get that. The other guys like Hayden Hurst, Tanya, and Everett, I can see being involved every single week, creating a floor for yourself. Not a great floor. Hurst, maybe. And then Isaiah likely, I think, could play himself into that tier. And just he's such a freak athletically that he could be really good. That he'd be worth a stash if you have the room. Listen, you don't need to go out and pick him up and stash him. That's not really what we do with tight ends. It could be a waste of a bench spot. I'd rather have a running back handcuff in that spot but some leagues have different rules wider benches I don't know what your league exactly is so you have to figure through what your circumstances are and apply that a little bit in terms of the streams of the week go back to this right now go down to the bottom 
We've got some game notes in here. Sub to the newsletter, by the way. A lot of good stuff in here. Carson Wentz at Detroit. Is he going to throw four touchdowns? Well, after seeing Detroit, maybe. Although their pass defense looked a lot better than their run defense. I'll give them that. Derek Carr at home against Arizona. Arizona's defense. I mean, maybe it was Mahomes, but he looked, they looked horrible in that game. So Derek Carr, I think, very viable in the spot. Marcus Mariota at the Rams and Matt Ryan at Jacksonville. It'll be Wentz or Carr or probably stick with who I got. I'm going to guess when the rankings come out. I haven't done them yet that Wentz and Carr are going to be in the top 16. Don't know if any of them breached the top 10, but that's where my mind is going. Then defense streams for the week. Uh, If Cleveland is available, they're on the higher end in terms of being owned. Uh, They're at home against the Jets, so that's good. Uh, Seattle at San Francisco, I mean, maybe picking on Trey Lance could end up being a thing. Or maybe they get their center back, maybe they get George Kittle back, and his protection is a lot better. Maybe he just looks a lot better in Week 2. I might adjust that one after I watch the Monday night game, but of course, I don't know what's happened in the Monday night game as of yet, so that's where we're going with that. Green Bay at home against Chicago. Uh, New England at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's offense was atrocious in that game. Like, it was so bad. Uh, And not that New England's defense is any great shakes, but, like, they can't move the ball. So let's see what New England can do against them. And then Carolina at the Giants. Uh, The Giants only have one play. It is give it to Saquon Barkley and hope it works out for the best. They're one for one with that strategy so far, but as long as you can try to contain Barkley a little bit, just make Daniel Jones beat you. Daniel Jones is running like bootlegs, taking sacks when he doesn't need to take sacks, fumbling the ball. Classic, very vintage Daniel Jones performance in Week 1, and Carolina's pass rush actually still looked pretty good against Cleveland in Week 1, although it did not necessarily translate. Their pressure rate was pretty high. Brissett just got the ball out and threw it away, and they got run on a ton, so I think that Carolina coming off a loss is just not going to be very popular this week. They should be available for you if you're in a pinch to go pick up they're not a top 10 defense by any means you just have to check the rankings for when all of that comes out that was the waiver wire my full article will be up on dknation.com it's probably out already you can find the listeners league for the pme in there as well want to go back to the monday night game and see what we're up to we're on DraftKings sportsbook right now and we can see the latest line is six and a half this has been jumping around between six and a half and six all morning 43 and a half is the over under uh i kind of like what rob pozzola had said with the first half where do we go let's go first half i think it's out oh, it's, it's down to three yeah i don't love that one I, I really like the three and a half but i think that if you wanted to play like the first half money line on seattle plus three on seattle i'm probably not betting this game to be perfectly honest with you i don't have a good feel for it everything in my gut says just smash denver broncos and that doesn't necessarily work out so great in a lot of these circumstances so seattle plus three in the first half uh Pizzola, i mean you can go check out the hammer Dot bet where Pizzola has a lot of his information up right now. Just launched last week. Um, I, I contribute to it. Jeff does. Cus does. Uh, Cam does. We have a bunch of different shows up there. Exclusive content at thehammer.bet. But just the history of in primetime games, the home underdog playing really well for 30 minutes. Not so well for 60 minutes. And you know, when we look up and it's 28 nothing Denver after four drives, we're going to feel stupid. But historically, that has been the better play. Now, if we think about DraftKings for the week in terms of how we're doing it. We're going to go back to runthesims.com and go to the DIY simulator and see what we got going on here. We can check out the slate. The slate that we want is the Monday night slate. Now, there's optimizers for everything, by the way. Second half, Denver versus Seattle. Fourth quarter, Denver versus Seattle. Uh, If you're on 
the ball. You can adjust these inputs so quickly uh, and optimize yourself some really good lineups against very weak competition. Since it's still week one Monday Night Football, this is like this. This is the week, week two, and Super Bowl week, or the week to play those like second half, first half, fourth quarter type DraftKings contests because the competition is so soft and they're giving away like a ton of money for these contests versus what they will be in week seven. So I highly recommend that you do that. Uh, we'll have the full projections. I mean, the the early ownership projections are up. We're just, we're just going to run the Sims and see what it spits us out. I mean, I like I said with prize picks earlier on, uh, that's why I went back and just played the the optimal prize picks two best plays of the week and put them in a power play for three times my money because the system knows better than I do. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I had a good week, DraftKings week one, because I trusted what the numbers told me. So when we're thinking about DraftKings showdown, uh, you can see that the captain rate in terms of optimal lineups, you're going to have Russell Wilson at 18% then Javante Williams. Those are going to be your two highest two uh, if you're spitting out a bunch of lineups. And we can take a look at lineups like the overall just neutral best projected lineup is big albert o at captain judy penny javante williams denver kicker and russell wilson so a 5-1 onslaught i find especially if you're not looking for dupes you can set this to 2-5 and that's going to give you two seahawks and four broncos i like the 4-2 i like the underdog stack and hopefully it's super concentrated on the winning side of the ball so if i think that you know as a six point favorite that the Broncos are going to win like to get to the top of one of these gigantic GPPs is almost impossible you need to think of a bit of a different strategy be off the just compete against fewer people if certain things happen in a game so the most optimal four Seahawks two Broncos lineup is Lockett as the captain with Judy and Javante Williams in the flex then you have Jason Myers Rashad Penny and Geno Smith to go along with it so it's a Seattle onslaught without DK Metcalf and Noah Fant is essentially what we're going to and you can see that the Sims are putting that down as a very good baseline total uh, it's a bit more unique in terms of the leverage score that you have. You can see like the sum ownership, the product ownership of everything. It's not the highest of them. The highest one is this one right here, which only came out in the optimal five times out of 10,000 simulations. You just saw how quickly they can simulate this 10,000 times, by the way. That's a very big advantage when you're in a pinch, when you can customize your own results. Like hell, if you want to say, you know what? I think that Melvin Gordon is dead and he's never going to play again. Well, we can just go to a very quick, he's only going to play 10% of the snaps and now we can just boost up I think that Javante Williams gets the rest of them so we're going to add 31% to Javante and have him at 81% of the snap share this is probably pretty unrealistic have to make sure that everything equals out to be 100 down at the bottom and now let's run the sims and see what we get ourselves and a big Javante Williams coming out breakout Monday night football spot the system is simulating these games 10,000 times oh good dude what, seven seconds to simulate 10,000 times? Yeah, that's a big advantage if you have a lean on this game that no one else does. That pushes Javante up to a captain rate of 31%. So one-third of lineups, essentially, uh, would have Javante Williams as a captain in an optimal situation. Total ownership around... Uh, let's see, 68%, still right around Russell Wilson's quarterbacks always get a higher end of this. But now our custom lineups look a little bit different, right? So we'll see how it looks with a 4-2 onslaught. Um, you're not going to get any Javante in that one, but then you have Javante. Even in a 4-2 uh, Seahawks stack, you have Javante coming out as the captain a bunch of times. So it does seem, even before we adjusted for Javante, for Javante Williams, that Judy and Javante are the two that seem like the more optimal captain 
captain's play because you know, people want to use – I mean, Javante will be very highly on. We had him as the second highest projected owned of the captain spot, but Russell Wilson's going to be very high on that list. That if you wanted to swerve onto Javante, I would probably just stack up the passing game on the other side, and hopefully everything runs through Javante Williams in that spot. Once again, to recap – with the prize picks this week, again, code MMN, get you a deposit match of up to 100 bucks. Got Rashad Penny and Melvin Gordon. Those were the Sims' best plays. Less than 16.5 rushing attempts. Less than 10 rushing attempts for Melvin Gordon. And the one my eyeballs are telling me, we got Cortland Sutton. More than 60.5 receiving yards. Geno Smith, more than 9.5 rushing yards. It's shocking that the simulator tells me that unders are the play when unders tend to win far more often than anything else. Uh, and Pat Mayo, big donk, wants to take overs in every single situation. So that should probably tell you something. So prizepicks.com, code MMN, link is down in the description. Subscribe to Fantasy Football Picks and Bets. Uh, Tambo will be back Thursday with the Island game. Then I'll be back Saturday with the updated fantasy rankings and the full injury report and the weekend plays for the week. Smash like on the way out, sub to that newsletter, and go to runthesims.com slash mayo. Get yourself 10% off. You just saw the power of the simulations. Just get the weekly. I think on the weekly, I think it's like 17 bucks, 16 bucks for a weekly. Obviously, the annual is the best one that you're going to get in terms of value. But hey, maybe you don't like it, you don't want to use it. That's fine. But instead of just going full into the annual, I would suggest taking the monthly or weekly, uh, spending fewer dollars and uh, seeing if you actually like the system and if it's working for you. It's a ton of fun. It's helped me a ton in my process as well and actually got me on the winning side of some stuff too. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Yeah!